0: This is essential. 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 This is essential audio.
1: I predict that there's going to be a a growth in that one little space: fintech, small business, and banking. I think there's going to be exponential growth in that specific area because they are both—they're also important. They need each other, and uh, and right now with the new technologies out there, there's just huge opportunities. So I. I think that you're going to see a lot in this space within those three active players.
0: That was Judy Ranierson talking about how this crisis presents amazing opportunities for innovation in the small business financial services space. And this is The Money Pot, our podcast at Money 2020. I'm Sanjeev Khalida, the Editor-in-Chief, And and I'm joined in our continuing series on small business financial services by Keisha Allison, head of content for Money 2020 USA. Hey, Keisha.
1: Hey, Sanjeev. So last week, small businesses were Goldilocks, but this week they became Sleeping Beauty. That's more unexpected than Real Housewives flipping tables on people's heads.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because Goldilocks had to search for things to be just right. But now Sleeping Beauty has suitors.
1: Oh yeah, I get it. She might be locked up, feeling low, like she can't get moving, but help is on the way, and all of the pieces are coming together to fight the economy-killing dragon. As Judy said, small business needs banking, banks don't survive without small business, and fintechs are often in the space to make it work.
0: So which sector of financial services is going to come to the rescue first? When we spoke to Puneet Dixit, partner at McKinsey, he had a very specific prediction.
2: One is we are uh, we expect lending to in general recover, right? So there was uh, there was you know uh, significant reluctance across lenders and balance sheet providers to extend extend credit to these kind of customers, right? To small businesses without the access to data. I think some of that will you know just as the markets recover, as small businesses are, are willing to uh, you know share data as Some of the businesses are able to demonstrate their resilience, right, uh, happens, right? Lending will open up and there's going to be enhanced access to credit.
1: It is a bit counterintuitive to say that lending will be the starting point for recovery. Many parts of the lending sector have had their own troubles, even while processing PPP. Many of them have had to suffer large layoffs and they are being bought up.
0: But that is the reason that Puneet thinks lending will recover. First, those lenders are being acquired by companies that can handle the balance sheets better in the crisis. Second, lending is going to be needed. And banks and fintechs really stepped up during the PPP.
2: The one thing banks did not want to do this time around was to be seen as bad guys, right? Because this is a crisis that was not caused by the banks. And this was an opportunity where they can, you know, know, make sure that they are being very customer-centric and which is what we have seen uh, you know, as one of the primary objectives that most of the banks have solved, tried to solve. We have seen that banks have organized themselves to be able to do that with a great degree of agility. So this time around, I feel that banks have actually been extremely good at managing all of this. And despite the fact that obviously to your point, there has been a pivot, the pivot has been, uh, you know, I would see the pivot in a positive light. not Because it's not being reactive, it's being proactive. And, you know, they've thought about this much more diligently and planned for it much more intelligently than
1: they they could the last time. Yeah, I agree. The banks and fintechs did a vital service, stepping up and getting the SBA loans processed in record time and got the money to those that needed it most. Even with the glitches, there really was a tremendous effort to help small businesses and their employees.
0: And we've had a chance to speak to three different fintechs that helped step up and process those PPP loans about what they learned. We spoke with Al Lifschitz, founder and CEO of Bluevine, which he started in the lending space to solve cash flow issues for SMBs. You know, it started for me
3: um, really from a personal reason. Uh, my dad was a small business owner. My grandfather was a small business owner. Um, you know, I've seen them and I learned uh, when I grew up um, that specifically my father had cash flow issues um, as a business, you know, a physical therapy clinic in, uh, in New York for over 25 years. Uh, and it got me thinking about the ways that we can solve um, that issue for small businesses like my father. Um, and um, um, how to provide access to capital, um, making that easy, simple, streamlined for small businesses. That's where we started. We started on the credit side of things with uh, our first product, which was invoice factoring, but over time, realizing that the pain point was much
0: broader. Uh, Credit was just one piece of the puzzle. By starting in credit with an emphasis on cash flow data, Eyal began looking at the problem differently than traditional banks did. One issue for banks is lack of standardized scores. When you make a consumer loan, there's an agreement among banks about how credit is assessed for that individual. Developing a system like that for SMBs has been far too complicated And there hasn't been the appropriate data until now.
1: I think he also saw something he thought was inherently unjust about the way that small businesses' needs were often not met. And they got few of the perks that were offered to larger institutions.
3: When you zoom out and generally look at at financial services for small businesses or banking for small businesses, there's a couple of issues. Um, One, they're often nickel and dimed. Um, They're undervalued, they're underappreciated. Um, the banks don't monetize them to the same extent as they can monetize corporations. um, And there's not as many of them as consumers. And so for making that business profitable for banks, they really charge them for everything and they underinvest in them. The other area is many times banks, the way they treat small businesses is not as small corporations. They actually treat them more like consumers. And the services that they deliver to them are more akin to consumer plus type um, experiences. Um, They don't get the commercial grade or the business grade products that they need. We are looking to solve that. We believe that your bank provider should be able to deliver the services that you need as a small business. And we're looking to do that, whether it's checking accounts, credit, payments, what have you. And we believe that you should get the services that you need. Um, to run your businesses, and we are actually democratized. We're making all these commercial-grade products accessible to small businesses.
0: Yeah, banks' manual procedures have always made it too expensive to generate personal advice to every customer. It is easier to do it for a large customer because the fees they generate means that the more personalized service can generate more revenue. But previously, they haven't been able to provide that at scale. It's why Judy said in our last episode, the first thing you need as a small business is a banking relationship.
1: And now that banking relationship doesn't have to be with a traditional bank. Like many other fintechs, BlueVine was key to helping their customers acquire PPP.
3: We're very proud um, to have taken part in, in in PPP. BlueVine has delivered more than $4 billion in PPP funds to over 125,000 small businesses helping save over 420,000 jobs. And the one thing I would, I would kind of emphasize there, we've helped really the longer tail of small businesses, the really ones which are underserved, the ones which were waiting in line in their bank for several weeks and weren't getting funded. The last thing is um, part of our core capabilities that we've mentioned before is around risk and fraud. And so we've, we've, we've used our technologies to be able to identify small businesses, authenticate them, Authenticate their bank account, their documents. We use capabilities around optical character recognition (OCR) to be able to process documents very, very quickly. Um, and so we've been able to really kind of use the the, the pieces that we already had in place, um, adapt them for PPP, and make and build a process that allows us to process one very quickly PPP applications when they come in the door, but also a huge scale of them. We're able to process. You know, 10,000, there were some days where we saw 10,000 applications come in in a day. And our systems, a big part of them,
1: uh, were able to process completely automated with no humans whatsoever. As Panit said earlier, the banks pivoted quickly, but because of KYC, had to give preference to their previous customers. They couldn't handle the volume. Although the fintechs traditionally have less manpower, their innovations are built to scale. That is
0: one of the exciting parts of how PPP was handled. The sheer volume and the desired speeds made this a great project for many of the fintechs. We also had a chance to speak to Luke Voyles, VP and business leader of QuickBooks Capital at Intuit. And he spoke about how Intuit helped lobby to have the Small Business Administration allow fintechs to participate in the PPP,
4: we were very active at saying, "Please let us make these loans directly. Um, let us help. Um, let us help save these jobs because we can deploy the money faster. We think than the banks can." Um, and so, basically, when we when we had confirmation that we would be allowed to to at least submit a lender application, we started building the product. Right. So, all in, it took just over two weeks for us to. Con- effectively adapt our existing process uh to work for the ppp program so we once we submitted our lender application we were approved by the treasury and the sba in less than 24 hours um, and four days after that we were able to start make, taking the first applications for ppp so we we move mountains right into its mission um, on an ongoing basis is to power prosperity for small businesses.
1: So, Intuit had some great tools at their disposal for PPP. First, they are among the most popular accounting softwares for SMBs, and that software now operates in the cloud. So Intuit already had the payroll numbers for thousands of businesses.
4: We pay, I think, 1 in 12 working Americans. Um pay their paychecks uh, in our payroll business. We also have pretty large payments business where small businesses are sending invoices um, and having those invoices get paid with credit card or ACH. And we also have like the capital business, the one the business that I lead here um, at Intuit. So if you take those parts and think about what was unique at Intuit is that we, um, we had access to much of the data required for the paycheck protection program, right? The core... Uh, the core data required to size the loan for a business was um, the average monthly payroll, right? Or if you're self-employed, it was the like, line 31 from Schedule C on the tax side to say, what was your net income last year? We'll give you two and a half times um, either of those numbers.
1: As part of their process, they didn't wait for their customers to come to them. They utilized the data to reach out to customers, let them know that they were eligible, and that they could apply through QuickBooks, which is great CRM.
4: Many of our customers, and I've given examples of this in the past, some of them never thought they would even go apply for a PPP loan because they thought it might be too complicated and too onerous for them to do. But when they saw a link or an email from us that said, hey, you are actually you're actually likely qualified for a PPP loan, click here. The application is very quick, can take less than 10 minutes, um, go for it. And many customers um, who would not have normally applied uh, came through and were able to get um, a forgivable loan.
0: Luke's team was able to adapt their existing lending software, pull in the payroll data, tax data, personal business information, and automate everything. Their customers rarely needed to upload a document, and their average application time was about ten minutes.
4: We had, I think, more than four hundred people across Intuit working on this um, at one point, point. Um, and, and almost all of them. You see consistent um, messaging coming through that this is the hardest I've ever worked in my life, and this is also the most fun I've ever had um, working on any project uh, in, my, in my entire career, because the mission matters, right? Trying to save these small businesses is what it was. What brings into its employees to work every day, and what drives them to work nights and weekends um, to to help to help these small businesses. And with COVID shutting them down, it just rallied the entire team to just go make this happen. And that's how we were able to do it in, in just over two weeks. It was unbelievable. We, we funded uh, through this program, um, through the beginning of July, we funded over a billion dollars uh, in PPP loans to more than 30,000 small businesses. And we believe that we were able to help keep more than 180,000 employees in the payroll.
1: I'm beginning to see a theme. Both Intuit and BlueVine had access to vital data to make PPP happen with extreme ease to their customers. They serve overlapping sets of businesses, particularly the ones where the CEO, the CFO, and the COO are all the same person, who's usually just trying to do the work of his business. Eliminating the need to search for documentation and having the technology to verify it quickly and immediately was vital to the success of PPP.
0: And it will continue to be vital as we plan next steps and plan economic recovery. In previous episodes, we've talked about how the crisis has been an accelerant and made banks move faster. And we're still in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, when we spoke to Sean Hunter, VP at Oak North Bank, he had a similar take. Oak North is a bit of a hybrid between a bank and a fintech. And they also started because they saw issues in the SME lending space.
5: In 2006, our co-founders, Rishi Khosla and Joel pelman they were running a previous business and they were trying to secure a loan. Um, and although they had healthy cash flow, they had a growing business, they had good projections, they were struggling to get working capital because they didn't have traditional assets. They were a services business. Um, and so they didn't have much that they could use as a security on the loan. And as that business grew they encountered more businesses around the world who had similar types of struggles and um you know one of the things that entrepreneurs do is entrepreneurs talk to other entrepreneurs and so on and so that's sort of where the idea for oak north began to form Um, they eventually scaled that business to over three thousand employees and sold it to moody's corporation Um, and then they immediately launched oak north bank
0: so oak north is a bank but they're also a fintech provider to banks in north america which we'll be talking about in episode three.
1: Unlike Intuit and Bluevine, Oak North is focused on more mid-sized businesses, and Sean thinks that this crisis has truly clarified what needs to happen in the lending space.
5: One of the things the crisis has done is it's really exposed how banks have underwritten all of this lending using a backward-looking approach, um, looking at last 12 months' financials, etc., rather than looking at forward-looking data, the current. Uh, state of the business and so on. And they're not really taking into account the specifics of a particular situation. Um, So I think the crisis has really exposed that because all of a sudden, banks are in a situation where they've got an enormous loan book, they've got a massive crisis, they don't really know what's going on because in many cases, they haven't received financials from borrowers for maybe an entire year. So they have no idea how badly particular borrowers are suffering. They also don't really have a concept of how the economics of the crisis is playing out for different types of business because it's really different in really different in different sectors. you know some sectors are actually doing fine um, other sectors are really struggling. Some sectors
0: are doing fine for now. I think he points out a distinct advantage that companies like Bluevine and Intuit have over banks. They have the financials, they know the payroll, the cash flow, some like square and toast have p o s information that is being carefully considered as part of lending data and risk assessment.
1: Exactly, Sanjeev. So now, when banks look at lending, they'll need to dig down further and utilize the data better.
5: What lenders need to do is they need to reassess their credit risk as it stands right now using forward-looking indicators, which take into account the impact that the COVID-19 is having on businesses, and then... Have stress scenarios on a granular loan by loan basis, not just on a portfolio level, so that you take into account the differences between businesses and so on. Um, and then they need to monitor very closely their entire book because this crisis is still unfolding. Things are changing all the time. The response by, you know, state, federal, local governments is changing all the time. And so, you know, you need to take those things into account. And then you need to re-underwrite your book.
1: And after that, Oak North has the tech to test scenarios in the new normal.
5: So what our framework uh, does is it it breaks the world down into a very large number of very granular subsectors. It's like 1,600 very granular uh, subsectors and then group them into over 130 sort of clusters. And then we build COVID-specific stress scenarios for all those different clusters, which take into account... Um, the impact on revenue, on operating costs, working capital, et cetera, and looks at three phases. So the first phase is the current lockdown, so how that's affecting your business, then a sort of recovery back to some percentage of how it was before, and then the new normal, as everyone keeps calling it, like how things are going to be in the future, taking into account the fact that certain sectors are going to change um, probably forever.
0: So this is the next step with the data. Instead of thinking that history always repeats itself, we should use the data to build stress tests for assessing risk against what is probable. This is a great new formula for what Brian Brooks at the OCC called, quote, a prudent risk.
6: What I worry about sometimes is that tends to make our lenders more risk averse than would be optimal in a dynamic growing economy. And a message that I often will tell people, including your listeners here today, is that America was founded as a dynamic, risk-taking country. One thing many people don't know is there's literally a bankruptcy provision in the Constitution. That's how fundamental the founders thought risk-taking was to our market economy. And so on the one hand, I do want to make sure that appropriate disclosures and anti-discrimination principles and other things are deeply embedded in our small business lending philosophy On the other hand, I don't want us to believe that the optimal amount of risk in our small business portfolio is zero, because if no loan is ever defaulting, what that probably means is there are some pretty good credit risks that didn't get credit, which means that business didn't get started, which means those employment opportunities were never created, et cetera. So we need to get comfortable as a financial services industry that while we only want prudent risks undertaken, we do want prudent risks undertaken, if you follow me.
1: Prudent risk doesn't mean no risk. Lending has kept the SMBs alive and will be necessary to get many of them going. The real fairy tale ending here is that banks and fintechs have finally created a financial ecosystem that's going to serve this sector. The tech and new tools are in place.
0: So is this like Rumpelstiltskin, where they can literally weave straw of data into the gold of financial services? The tech and tools... You're talking about seem to have that ability, right? M- maybe I'm getting a bit overboard with this fairy tale analogy.
1: Well, we are too deep into the series to question the fairy tale analogies now, Sanjeev. Let's just use them. Now that we know how we start to get out of it, in the last episode of the series, we'll talk about the other tools in the ecosystem.
0: So that's the cliffhanger for this episode. Next episode is Ever After. What are the other technologies that will be part of solutions that scale? We've heard from so many amazing characters in the story so far. How will it all come together? Or will it even come together? The kingdom of small businesses has been sleepy for years.
1: (sighs) Don't get all sleeping beauty on me now, Sanj. Stay awake. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm sorry, Keisha. I'm so sleepy. I can't help it. I can't help it.
1: Sanj! Sanj! We've got to close the episode!
0: Oh, oh, so- sorry. <laughs> sorry about that.
1: We want to thank Judy Reneerson and Puneet Dixit again for their time and expertise. We also want to thank Luke Voiles from Intuit, E.L. Lifshitz from Bluevine, and Sean Hunter from Oak North. You will hear all of them in the next episode as we live happily ever after. At least that's what our Dungeon Masters Roland Boddenham and Rachel Morrissey are telling us.
0: Also, we want to say if you haven't signed up for our MoneyFest, go to money2020.com and sign up today. We want to thank you for your support through this trial of a year. If you were a pass holder in 2019 or had 2020 tickets bought, we're opening our Global Connect networking for you on October 12th. We want to continue to bring you valuable connections now that connecting is more valuable than ever.
1: And if you have a story for the show, send a pitch to podcast at money2020.com. Thank you for listening.
0: This is Essential. 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 This is essential audio.